fandom fams. We are two queer nerds of color who use humor and fun to take your favorite conventions diversity panel and turn it into a year-round conversation. I'm Noelle. And I'm Justine. And today, we have a very special guest. Meow, 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 meow. Verbal spear fingers. Justine, take it away. Of course. Yeah, so... We have a very, very special guest today. This person we met originally at Anime Expo after hours in 2018, and they are doing some amazing things in the world of fandom and burlesque and weaving social justice and social causes into their art form. So please give a warm fandom fans welcome to Lady Michaela. Yay! Because they're going to make me cry. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Yes. So, um, Lady Michaela, can you give our listeners a little intro, um, a short intro to who you are and a little bit more about, I kind of touched on it already, but a little bit about how we connected. You did such an efficient job. So I feel like, okay. okay. Um, I'm Lady Michaela Demir. I do everything from burlesque, nerdlesque, cosplay to fire eating and sideshow work. Um, and we met at Anime Expo, um, doing the Nerdlesque show that is After Hours, correct? Yes, yes, After Hours. Um, and you both were just these little bundling balls of delight and energy, and it was so refreshing to meet you after a long plane ride from Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, my gosh. Lady Michaela was just such a a great example for us kind of stepping into this. We were stage kittens to uh, Lady Michaela's burlesque feature. And it was just amazing kind of getting to know her and getting to know her art as well. So yeah, like you, you gave an excellent overview about who you are and how you got started with your work. So could you kind of dive a little bit more into that to your, your origin story? Let's world build. Let's oh, more of oh no. <laughs> Level one. Oh Fight. man. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, I guess I was your average um, weird kid that got picked on um, <laughs> that uh, would keep her cosplay to midnight premieres of Lord of the Rings on the down low so she didn't get picked on. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was that kid. Uh, I was a theater kid and I was also a theater major and I was doing fire eating and working at Renaissance festivals and stuff like that. And I thought I would be a traditional actress. I really thought like that was my calling. And um, so, but eventually one gets tired of hearing trigger warning for uh, body shaming, but uh, you get tired of hearing you're very talented and you're a very disciplined performer and you're very skilled. But if you want to make it anywhere, you're going to have to lose weight and get a nose job. And you just get tired of hearing that over and over again. So eventually I found nightlife entertainment and I was already had the skills as a, um, as a fire performer and everything. So, um, I, I transitioned from that college theater major into uh, vaudeville and sideshow and burlesque. And then in burlesque, I found this great little niche of, um, body acceptance and a, a great alternative route of taking my nerdiness and it becoming part of the storytelling that we were doing on stage already. So there was nerd themed shows at cons. And I was like, this, this is, this is my job now. This is what I do. <laughs> I find where I fit finally. <laughs> and that's so amazing. Honestly, when I first 
saw your act when I, I believe it was like a dress or tech rehearsal, right? Um, before we actually, it was days negative one or something. I don't know. I was yeah. so confused with those yeah. days. But I remember when I first um, saw your performance, I was like, wow, like I didn't even know something like that can exist. <laughs> and I thought it was so, I don't know, like just watching it felt liberating. And it was like, I just love that, like you do what you want on stage and people celebrate you for it you know and it's just like i don't know because i'm a huge nerd so i was like being able to see like um someone nerd out but also tap into their sensuality and their sexuality i'm just like huh, out of body experience <laughs> <laughs> i love that this show comes with sound effects the sound effects oh. are my favorite part of the show by <laughs> yeah. the way thank you we don't need a soundboard exactly no, i love it pre-recording it but we just insert it into our episodes regardless. So it just takes a lot of time in the long run. I love it. <laughs> There's no need. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so much for giving us that little preview. And you've mentioned kind of briefly how you would have Lord of the Rings cosplay. When oh, you God. <laughs> that kind of segues into our next question. So what's your fandom origin story? What were some of your first fandoms and um, that kind of got you started and inspired? Um, I used to read a lot as a kid. I read uh, novels. I ha- I read traditional literature and Shakespeare, and then I read um, I read comic books and everything. My family traveled between countries. My my family's English. I'm first generation American, so we would go- bounce back and forth between countries. Um, and so I would read a lot on planes. <laughs> Uh, so that's kind of where it started and comic books I really liked. Uh, and then I grew into video games and I'm about to date myself here. <laughs> Ooh. I, I remember in our household, we had an Atari and a Sega Genesis Ooh. and a Nintendo. Oh, it's like the old school brick Playboy. Or not Ooh. Playboy, sorry. Uh, Game Boy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey. my, world, my world's crossover, okay? It goes from sex work to video games real fast. Intersectional. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, like I remember all of these way before Facebook gaming with your farms and stuff like that, before MySpace, before LiveJournal. <laughs> Back in my day. Uh, <laughs> such an old person. But yeah, so, uh, and then it just kept going from there. Um, and uh, I used to, I used to um, like go to those midnight premieres of movies when they would come out in costume as a kid. Uh, my parents were like, it's fine. She'll grow out of it. It's fine. Jokes on <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And uh, I really liked too, that when it came, when it comes to um, the burlesque industry and the cosplay industry, I like that before theater even thought about it, they started being more body positive and accepting of different femme body types, which I really liked. So I think that that was, um, it was nice to feel a sense of belonging while working. So that's, it's kind of perfect that it kind of just flew into the right thing. Um, my, I remember you talked about gateway animes on another episode. That I was yes, yes. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It's an honor. You guys are having me. Um, but I think my gateway anime was either, Oh, the 80s or 90s. Uh, Cowboy Bebop or... No. Oof, I so think good. it was Utena Revolutionary Girl. Ooh. Ooh. Women with swords. Hell <laughs> yeah. Like queer Hell women yeah. with swords. Not allowed to be here in America for a while. I think they, like, they did a bunch of editing to it. And 
But yeah, I was like, I was seeing like girls fighting princes dressed as princes with women and saving each other and women talking about sword fighting. This is yes, please. Yeah. (laughs) It was amazing. So I think that might've been my gateway anime. I don't remember. It's been a long time. (laughs) I love that. That's so appropriate. (laughs) Or also coincidental, but also it feels like fate. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking to myself, oh, should I say this joke? The moment has passed, but I'm bringing the moment back because it's our podcast. So earlier when you were saying, oh, I'm going to date myself and I'm just like, you could date yourself all you want. But after listening to this episode, everyone's going to want to date you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, honestly, exactly. Like I kind of thought the same thing. Like that's also just like my brain, though, is wing person ever. Yeah. Like I was like, wait, she's like, I'm going to date myself. I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) self-love. Okay. I was like, yeah. I was like, date yourself, girl. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, I have to ask though. So, what was? Do you remember what your first cosplay was? What you would consider your cos first cosplay? Oh, my first cosplay. What was it? It was from a book. It wasn't from a movie or anything. Oh no, I don't remember what it was. I remember the first cosplay that I told people about. Yeah, that I was definitely. actually open about that. I didn't like hide from other kids at school. Uh. I think it was it was like old 1970s Zatanna Zatera from DC Comics. <gasps> like uh, it was a tailcoat and top hat. I remember I remember that. I've been through like maybe six versions of that. Um, like, <laughs> oh, you're fan. You're oh, look at your face. She's <laughs> fan. You're like so hard. You, oh, she, she's just oh. these cosplay to Zatanna. <laughs> that was the first thing that I actually started following you on was seeing you in that cosplay, by the way, on Instagram. Um, when I was like, who else is in this show? And I saw your Zatanna picture. I'm like, can we friends with them even though they're not in the show? I like her. Uh, but yeah, so um, Zatanna, I, I've done so many versions of Zatanna. I'm sure somewhere in a thrift store is like the kid size version of it somewhere altogether. But um yeah, and now I have like two versions of I have the tuxedo, I have the blue outfit that George Perez did, which I got to meet George Perez in, which made me cry. Oh, uh, oh, oh, you want to hear this story? I know it's not in oh, yes. our things to talk about, but okay. So here's a story, another one about how Michaela cries. So <laughs> um, it was like the day after a gig at a con and I had the costume with me. So I went ahead and wore it. Um, and, and I didn't remember what was on the schedule cause I had done two shows back to back gig wise from two different sides of Florida. So I'm at this con like the next day and we're walking around me and my primary significant other, we're walking around and someone's like, you know, he's here. Right. And I was like, what? And they're like, you know, George Perez is here. And I went, you could hear the glass shatter in my head of like oh no my world is gonna collide Uh, so we're walking down an aisle looking at all the different people who are here and we see people are like packing up and stuff and i'm like oh okay we probably already miss him and then i see this little shiny bald head reflecting light and exactly (laughs) who it was and then all of a sudden he must have saw me first because my significant other is tapping on my shoulder and I hear, my Zatanna! And he comes around 
because he designed the costume I was wearing in the, like the seventies. <gasps> he runs around like if a little old man could runs around his booth table, ditches everyone in line who was signing, get in line to get signed stuff from him. Oh my God. Him. Ditches his handler. He was like, what's happening? And he's like, coming <laughs> at me full speed. And I'm like going, I was like in, in slow motion. I could hear just this beautiful soundtrack of strings. And I'm like, this is my creator. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and, we, and he's like, I must have a picture with you. I'm like, I gotta have a picture with you. And he's like, oh, I love this. And he's like touching the fabric. And like, I'm like, I'm like sitting here going, my cape isn't even hemmed. He's touching it. Oh my God. <laughs> so, I'm fangirling. He's fanboying. Like we both start like tearing up at the same time. <gasps> and uh, so we got our pictures together and then there happened to be uh, somebody doing coverage for the con and they took a picture of us together. And he goes, I must finish this. And I was like, what? He's, and so he takes my earrings because I have the big red dangly earrings and he signs them <gasps> and he signs one of them backwards. <laughs> Sorry. Then, okay. So then, and then he draws me as her. And then he does like my oh name my. backwards and like I have it on my wall in my living room. I'm just, I cried. I, I cried the whole day. I could, I was, I could just could not stop. I didn't know my name for the rest of the day. I was just oh. like, I'm his Zatanna. <laughs> so I met the designer of my favorite costume of my favorite DC superhero. And it was just like a mind blowing accident. And I just loved it so much. Oh my gosh, that's such an awesome story! I'm like, it's really funny because like now we fo- we follow each other online. I'm like, he's gonna find out I get naked as this character, and I don't think he's gonna handle it very well. And then oh. I find, and then, like a dad. And then the next year, I see him at FetCon drawing kinky Wonder Woman art. I'm like, never mind, he's down. He's gonna be down. He's down. So yeah, That's so cool. Oh, how special! Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, I got us off track. I'm so sorry. No, no. love it. Love yes. the stories. Yes, this episode is literally about you, and we want to give you this platform because we love you so much, and we want to share you with our listeners. So please, whatever feel you feel empowered and comfortable to share with our listeners too. It's yours. Okay. Go ahead. If you want to edit that out, by the way, and keep it just for you and me, <laughs> that's fine. But <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. Show us like who you are, like the authentic you you want to show to our listeners. Oh, we, we are here for it. We love it. We fell in love with it at AX and everyone else is going to fall in love with it too. We celebrate oh, you. I celebrate you. Oh. Oh. That's such a great love fest. So now we want to talk about uh, Nerdlesque. You kind of uh, hinted at it when you made your introduction. And so kind of like two questions to segue into each other. Um, So what role did fandom play in your pursuit of burlesque as an art form? Or how did you weave them together? And tell us what Nerdlesque is. Give us like a little backstory about um, how you got started. So burlesque is has a very long, like complicated sex work history. Um, but the part that drew me to it was the storytelling and the comedy as well as the female empowerment part. So I really loved that. And then nerdlesque is this subculture category of burlesque with cosplay. So it's cosplay stripping. But what I love about it is that it's the storytelling. Like I'm one of those performers that I won't perform 
in a theme or costume of a character that I'm not a fan of somehow. Like if I don't know the content, I'm not going to like, there's a lot of times you'll get um, a lot of uh, specialty performers who will just throw the costume on and just go ahead and go out and perform to a cute song. And for me, it's just like, no, every little thing has to make sense for me because my favorite thing about going on stage sometimes for nerdlesque that you don't get with burlesque is there'll be a joke or a moment in a song or a piece of costume and you'll hear someone in the audience go, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you get it. You, you, yeah. Where is my contact? You know what's going on. Um, so I really liked that storytelling and the comedy and the parodying of our favorite things. So it's by fans for fans and nerdlesque. For burlesque, you get a lot of the traditional glamour. You get a lot of the cutesy cheesecake pinup retro style, but there's a lot of cool newer neo burlesque styles that are really awesome. Um, like the neo burlesque, uh, field right now is being dominated by performers of color and I'm here for it. It's amazing. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of cool crossover things and as conventions become more accepting of female and femme agency, they're becoming more accepting of booking acts that they wouldn't traditionally book. So nerdlesque being one of them, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, I love that it played into how I love storytelling. And I think that was something that I wanted in traditional theater, but couldn't get because of the barriers I face as a openly queer and fat woman. Um, but in nerdlesque and burlesque, I was finally getting like the storytelling and the comedy and then the nerdiness. It just all came together. Plus I wanted to light my boobs on fire as not (laughs) So. I love that. That's everything. <laughs> Imagine that sentence just out of context. Like, I just wanted to lay my boobs on fire. Like, hot nips. Sound bite for <laughs> boom, it's there. Lighting no, our episode title: lighting your tits on fire or like <laughs> flaming titty. But because of blue laws, there's only so many places I can actually perform that if I wanted to like, yeah. So there's this, there's this whole thing in burlesque and nerdlesque anywhere femme bodies are stripping anywhere in the country. Um, there's going to be, your County is going to have blue laws. And that tells you what you can wear on stage and what you can do on stage. If, even if there's not alcohol sold there. Um, but most of these laws don't apply to male or male presenting bodies, which is mm. really frustrating. So like I have one colleague in one County here in Florida, um, where if they went out and did my act where the fire pasties and like the fire fingers and stuff like that, um, they would be fine because they're male presenting. If I went out there and did that, I would get arrested. So it just depends on where you are. Like there's, yeah, like in LA, I remember when I was getting booked for anime expo, I asked, it was like, okay, so what are your blue laws? <laughs> and they're like, what? And I was like, um, what kind of panties and bra can I wear? Like, do I'm working where it's just covered or do I need to do like here in parts of Florida, you have to have like three fingers of fabric on the side or at the butt and you can't have under boobs some places. Yeah. Your basic swimsuit can actually get you arrested in certain parts of Florida, but these laws have not been changed for femme bodies and they're only changed for male bodies. It's so frustrating. Part of the fight. <laughs> yeah. And like, since body positivity is like integral to your brand, like when I, when I hear like, when I hear you say something like, 
oh, well, three fingers of fabric. I'm just like, well, different fingers are different sizes. Right. You know? So what, what is that? So um, I, I, I wanted to ask about, because we, we kind of talked about the distinctions between burlesque and nerdlesque. So can you kind of elaborate a little bit about uh, some of the characters that you've performed nerdlesque in and what are some of your dream uh, cosplays or characters that you want to incorporate into your performances? Oh, wow. Um, I've done so many. Um, I've done everything from uh, Deadpool to, but like before the movie came out, I I actually had like sound clips from the video game in that act. And that's really fun. I've done, um, I've done Lust from Full Metal Alchemist, which you've all seen because we did, we did that fan dance act together. Uh, I've, Bellatrix from the Harry Potter franchise. I have Navi from Zelda, which is the most annoying burlesque act I've ever performed in my life. Um, I loved it. I loved it. Um, it. It just depends on what uh, appeals to me and what storytelling I want to tell or what joke I want to make. Um, I have... Uh, I have so many acts. I've done a Dr. Doofenshmirtz act. <gasps> oh my it's god! So, bad. so um, he did karaoke of his Doofenshmirtz version of Bad Guy, um, and someone <gasps> recorded it, and he posted it on TikTok and was like, "Do with it as you will." And I just was like, "Okay." <laughs> So I made that into a nerdlesque act. Um, I've done uh, I've done kind of Zatanna with LED um, magic effects, which was really fun. Um, I've done yeah, I've done I've done a lot of weird things. Um, yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, I was a dragon for a Lord of the Rings show. Um, did some fire. Oh, no, it was a it was a Game of Thrones show. I was Shay, and then I was Balerion the Dread, and I uh, I got to like have my fire fans with me, which was really fun, and get to sit on the Iron Ooh. Throne and get at the end of my act. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've done I've done a lot from a lot of different fandoms, a lot of different universes. Um, my dream ones that I want to do, I, I put keep putting the budget aside. And then I reinvest into another project because I get distracted. I'm like a squirrel with pixie sticks. I can't, <laughs> I can't focus when I have, I have this browser in my head and it has all of these tabs open. Um, so that's how my act works happen. So I have a list of dream cosplays, but every cosplay I do has to make back the income that I put into it. Um, I want to get back my return on my, my investment in my cosplay. So all my cosplays nowadays have to be strippable. So I can put them into a gig so that I can afford to go to the con to wear them at. Um, so uh, I know that I want to do, I would love to do a Skyrim, Skyrim one one day. I would love to do a huge armor piece. Um, I, my dream cosplay and nerdlesque act is going to require a lot of <laughs> light up stuff that's not fire which is outside of my comfort zone I'm not very comfortable with led but it'll be a good challenge um i want to do galadriel when she is tempted by the ring and oh. the part where she's like all shall love me and despair uh <laughs> and turns like blue and goes evil i want to do bad bitch galadriel um <laughs> 
So I would love to do that. But I also, um, I did a Sentinel act from an X-Men show back up in like Jacksonville back in the day. I would love to take that act, revitalize it into a Jaeger act. Um, Pacific Rim Jaeger? Yes. Yes. Ah! I do. And I want to do it where it's like battle torn and I'm taking the armor off and I want my PCs to be little people. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. I think it'd be so funny. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. Um, Have someone come out with a kaiju and just spank me while I'm on my stilts. I think it'd be hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's That's the name of the act. So that's one of my dream acts. Um, (laughs) I, I remember like one time I wanted to do um, back when I was doing like drag lesque, I was doing a lot of uh, like when I did my John Constantine, they were like, and I started putting together Izawa from My Hero Academia. Um, a friend of mine was like, you need to keep doing men. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was thinking like, I really would love to do Gaston. Um, and my piece needs just the chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> like my merkin just a bunch of eggs um and like i'd spin from like oh, a chandelier no. of deer antlers like i really uh, if money was no object i would be as ridiculous as possible um <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of weird it, it, it's weird it's weird um i've done repo the genetic opera for a horror show which oh. is really fun um I, i've done slimer or eat a pizza oh, in yes. the least love your slimer. sexiest fashion possible. What's hilarious <laughs> about that is that every time I go on stage, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm lactose intolerant. And I'm like eating a pizza, a whole pizza on stage. <laughs> Anything for the ass. Anything for art. It is for art. For art. David, it's for art. <laughs> Precisely. David. Tis for art, David. <laughs> David. Awesome. So, yeah, like, resuming, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, like, I'm going to take a personal fangirl moment. I think one of one of my, a couple of my favorite nerd-lesque pieces that you've done is your Bayonetta. Is <gasps> yes. I adore that. And I'm a little bit biased because at AX, I got to be a part of that act. Um, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like was, so okay can i do i have your consent to tell the story lady you, michaela can i you do you do okay. <laughs> okay it was a it was an amazing thing so basically it was me and i believe kj was the other one like the stage kittens that were kind of like oh, yeah that kid. okay sorry. kj oh, love you kj um but KJ. yeah so we were kind of um perched around the stage while Lady Michaela was doing her Bayonetta thing and we were just there looking cute looking pretty I was cutely eating a lollipop cutely and seductively I was having way too much fun with that lollipop um, I was giving I a told you go wild so that was and fine with that and I was following directions so that's <laughs> so so yeah like I would um I was just chilling there and then like I was like sitting pretty like eating the lollipop and then during uh the climax of the act if you will no pun intended uh Lady Matilda walked over to (laughs) it was totally Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, she like walks over to where the stage kittens are. I'm chilling with the lollipop. And there's a Jesse J song in the background. And in the song, she says, open your mouth, sugar. And then Lady Michaela takes a lollipop out of my mouth and puts it in her mouth. And I swear, <sighs> I sometimes I wonder if there is a God, but... <laughs> That in that moment, I was converted to whatever Lady McK- like Church of Lady Michaela <laughs> up there. So I'm like, wow, I That's feel so, so rejuvenated. <laughs> it's so flattering. Oh, and for everyone to know, we did discuss this backstage. We did talk about okay. consents. We did talk about mm-hmm. like, are you tested and clean? I'm tested and clean. We're all good. Yeah. We're aware of what's going yeah. on with our bodies. Um, like we did check <laughs> with each other. This was a staged thing. I always have to reiterate that to people when they when they come uh, they come after the show. They're like, oh, da 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 da. I'm like, no, no, no. This was this was planned. <laughs> this is very <laughs> sad. Um, like especially with like blood acts or like my bed of nails and stuff, and or like any time that there's stunts or f- like flaming swords. I'm like, no, no, no. This is very planned. <laughs> but yeah, no. The, thank you for being a part of that because that was such a great memory. The crowd got so loud I get in a zone and I don't always hear or know what's going on around me um when I'm focused and uh that was one of the times that like sapped me back of like check in with your audience see how they're they're doing oh no they're telling us how we're doing this is great this is working great (laughs) (laughs) they went crazy as I was I was in the back but um, the backstage is only separated by curtains. And so what I would do um, was I would just, I think I didn't even peek from the side. I th- I, I went to the side you were on, Justine. And then I, I peeked uh, off the side. And then when as soon as I saw the, the exchange, <laughs> because I, I, I don't think I was there when you guys discussed it, but I just knew something was happening. And I was like, Ooh, it was what's going gonna happen? down. <laughs> going down and then what after i peeked and i saw i was like i was literally like i, I was like oh yeah <laughs> i was like it's going down it's, i was like this is what down. we're paying for oh, yeah. <laughs> the way you said this oh yeah reminded me of the kool-aid man just now. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. as a kool-aid man <laughs> I cosplaying as the Kool Aid Man, but like oh, yeah, that, and then just but with like glitter, but with the gl- edible glitter stuff you put in it that swirls. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. There, you have Especially an act. Go that. on, go do that. <laughs> and then I just slowly strip out of my picture, and then <laughs> and, and then I am the Kool Aid. I am the Kool Aid. <laughs> Great! Oh my goodness, I love this. We're energy. just building acts. This was. This is basically what backstage at Ants After Hours was, but virtual. So this is the behind the scenes experience for you on Fandom Femmes. This is literally us backstage, hopped up on Red Bull. (laughs) Yeah, like, and we were (laughs) huddled together in, um, we were huddled together in these like blankets because it was cold and our knobs were like party hats because. (laughs) Party hats. Oh, we would always say party hats. (laughs) Party hats. 
Oh, oh my god yeah you, like that you always look so cuddly and cute all of you like in your little hamster cuddle it was like looking at like your favorite pets all like at christmas time <laughs> cuddled up in the cold and you're like oh i'm gonna turn the fireplace on for you you're so cute it was always adorable <laughs> to see that backstage uh you had such great camaraderie in your show i really so in show business you don't always find community with an industry um so when you find those little patches of families and camaraderie backstage with cast and crews you always want to go back and work with them again and that's something I really liked about your cast and crew out in LA is that you have amazing camaraderie um like and one of the least drama filled shows I've ever (laughs) been a part of glad to hear (laughs) okay so when you're an independent contractor for shows specifically with burlesque where you're not part of a troupe you get to like hop around the country and just be like Mm. show up do your job have a drink listen in on everything eavesdrop and then go away and like i don't have to be a part of the drama i get to just watch it like in first person i feel like i go to those mystery dinner theater shows sometimes and i'll be there and i'll just be like "Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm," sipping my cocktail like dropping everyone just like oh oh, you don't say, oh, okay, those two don't like each other. What's going to happen next? And then I get my paper <laughs> and I leave and I don't have to be any part of it and it's great. But your show was so, it was such a great little family. I love that. I'd yeah, like to honestly, that <laughs> me too. I would really love to, to, to come back. I oh, mean, yeah. sad that we didn't, they didn't get to have a show this year. I wonder, I, since we weren't a part of it this time around, I really wonder what the plan was. I wonder, like, I wonder who were like, I can't tell you. Stop. You can't tell me. I Don't can't. tell me. I'm sorry. It's okay. But it, I'm, it's the NDA. It's the, <laughs> listen, NDAs are a real thing and they are so many pages long. Sometimes I look right. at NDA and I'm like, listen, I'm just a stripper. Read it to me. <laughs> can just you just tell me the make can you summarize the points please yeah. what am i not supposed to say right yeah like, i just what, you're I'm giving not me, allowed to post like, online exactly like you're giving me war and peace i just need the spark notes okay like, <laughs> spark notes please three bullet points period <laughs> yeah so circling back uh thank you so much for for sharing that i actually personally like i didn't know that um nerdlesque was actually its own little kind of style and like community i thought it was simply something that was uh at conventions or someone would pull out like during like a a show but it's actually its own like thriving entity which was really cool like thank you so much for sharing that no thanks Um, for asking yeah of course like we want to learn about you so um Moving on to our next uh, section. Uh, So a huge reason why Noelle and I were really drawn to you, not only working with you, but uh, also like how we've continued to like follow you and your brand and your art as it continues to develop is how you're so intentional about using your art as a platform to talk about really important issues. Uh, We've kind of touched upon it before, but we talked, but you very intentionally use your art to uplift your bisexual identity and your um 
your body positivity. And also you use your platform and social media to talk about uh, several like social justice issues and encourage people to be civically engaged. So uh, could you please elaborate for our, our listeners, some, one, some ways you kind of weave that into your brand and also kind of your intention about why is that such an integral part of who you are and the art you bring to the table? Wow, that is good questions. <laughs> they're so loaded, but they're great questions. Um, but this, no, this is a great, important conversation. I think a lot of people, when it comes to whether it's cosplay or burlesque or just pretty pictures on Instagram, I feel like if you have a platform and you are an artist of some kind and you're not trying to make positive change in the world with it, what's even the fucking point? Mm -hmm. You're not finding a way to use your art and your platform and your visibility to make positive change, whether it's for people who are directly like you or even people like you've never met before or are like your friends and family. If you're not trying to make the world a better place with your art and your voice and your platform and your visibility, there's no fucking point. And I feel that a lot of times I will get pushback from uh, fans who will say things like, well, you just get naked for money. You don't need to have a political opinion on every little thing. You don't need to say these things. You should just sit back and be funny. That's your job, Michaela. Just be funny and be naked. That's all you're supposed to do. And I'm like, no. Burlesque started out as in history as political satire. Um, it was commentary on the world around you through escapism art. And if you mm. don't get that, then you've completely missed the point from when you looked at our naked bodies taking up space in the light on stage. Completely gone over your head if you don't understand that women being visible in this form and femme bodies and femme people uh, being visible on stage in this form of art, um, especially after years and years and generations and decades of women being arrested in order for us to have the industry that we have today, then you've completely missed the point of what we're doing. So I feel like mm. if I'm not vocal, if I don't find ways to put it into what I do somehow, if I don't find ways to, when I produce my own shows here in Florida, if I don't find ways to do representation and make sure that I book by POC casts and body inclusive casts and, and uh, trans performers and everything like that, if I don't book with inclusivity in mind, then someone in that audience is not going to see themselves on stage. So the first mm -hmm. time this clicked for me, I was doing, I'd already been doing burlesque for a while. I had already been doing nerdlesque for a little bit. Um, I'd already been doing fire for a long time. And I started producing my own shows in a small town in Ocala. Um, and it was like one of the first shows that I produced in this 300 seat theater. We sold out. Um, I was like, okay, cool. I paid my performers. I did my job as a, producer is a boss lady. Okay. Everything's done. And then a perf, a, not a performer, but a audience member came up to me. She said, I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, why you're welcome. Thank you for giving me money to give to pretty people. <laughs> he was like, no, I, I finally saw myself 
on stage and I, I saw her and you being sexy and I was just like crying the whole way home. Another story of Michaela crying. Uh, so the whole time <laughs> home, it like kind of clicked, like, this is what I need to do. My body fluctuates in weight all the time. So, um, I've been on the thinner scale and I've been booked nonstop back to back when I was thin And then when I regained the weight back or when I had the weight before, I noticed my bookings were less, but I came back to it with a refreshed view of when people see me on stage, they see me giving them permission that this is great. This is your body. Mm. You're a revolution by taking up space. You're allowed to feel sexy. You're allowed to see yourself represented on stage. Um, it's one of the reasons too, when I produce my own shows, I book body types bigger than mine or smaller than mine, but I always make sure that everybody can look up on that stage and be like, that's me. I can see me and that performer. And that was important to me. Um, because I grew up not having curvier women, except for like, say the occasional Mae West rerun, uh, I grew up not seeing bisexual women represented until recently. Like it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I saw queer women on like vaudeville shows openly talking about it and it being like hit in their costume and like color flags and everything. Like, I think that that should have been more accessible for me when I was younger and it would have helped me. So seeing that I can do that now for the newer audiences coming in is very important to me. Um, I have a bi pride act that I do where I strip down, I become the flag. Um, so, and I have like, um, and then I have a suffragette act that I do to Emily Autumn's fight like a girl, like a cover of it. Um, so, and that is where it strips down to just the suffragette holding a sign that says that we will not be silenced. So I feel like these things are acts that I'm told there are offensive. If they're making you think about them though, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. If my body Offensive. performing in a, oh yeah, it's happened. If my body performing in a bistro in a restaurant in like 500 pounds of rhinestones makes you uncomfortable because I'm not super thin or have a flat stomach and I have stretch marks and scars, then this is the purpose for it. Then you need to think about why that makes you uncomfortable because the person mm-hmm. at your table yes. that's not the same exact body as me underneath their clothes is going, oh, it's me. So I feel like mm-hmm. it works on both ends of that spectrum of mm-hmm. we have a purpose, we can do it. And it's important that we move forward with that. Awesome. I have a quick question as a follow-up. Um, also, thank you so much for sharing that. I love when you delved into like the history. My at, feminist rants with nonsense. <laughs> no, not at all. We love historical and cultural context. Yeah, we out here. But um, I just um, obviously with what you do is there's a lot of um, body objectivity and you know naysayers, them haters, right? So. I just wanted to, to address, uh, I mean, you mentioned it as you were speaking, you know, people finding it offensive or uh, people finding it maybe inappropriate, etc. So, yeah, what kind of uh, criticism would you receive specifically from men? <laughs> and how would you normally uh, react slash address their, their criticism? 
there are so many examples I could give, but I don't think these people want to be shamed on the internet uh, without me charging them for dominating <laughs> work. Uh, <gasps> like I could, I could, I could shame you in public, but I'd rather be, get paid for it. Um, there, there's just a lot said. Um, it can be something super. It happens all the time. Um. um now I'm doing it. Uh, it can be something as simple as in the bows when we do our meet and greets and we shake hands and thank people for coming to see our shows or they get photos with us or they meet us at our merch booth. Um, I'll notice that it can be small little microaggressions. Like when they turn to me, they go, you're so brave in that Karen voice. You're so brave. And then they turn to my thinner colleague and be like, you're so beautiful. You were so gracious and so beautiful and so great. Um, and have a completely different attitude to uh, men specifically moving me out of cast photos. Um, to Booker what? saying, we're not really interested in having her back. Uh, do you have someone that looks more fit? Or do you have someone that looks more like this? Um uh, I've had uh, photographers not photograph me, but photograph every thin person in the show. Um, so there's silent ways that it really gets at you. I feel like the verbal confrontations I've learned to process and handle and be sassier about, um, or I make jokes about you on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> that's, my, that's my new also hobby. Also Lady Michaela on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so good. The content's so good. I, I've realized now, though, it when someone has criticisms about me, if they're not constructive, if they're not paying me, and if I'm not sitting on their face, they have nothing to say about my weight. That's important to me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> if you're not paying me, if you're not giving me constructive con criticism that helps me improve as an artist or improve myself as a person, um, or if I'm not sitting on your face, then I honestly don't care what you have to say about my body. I feel like once you learn to grasp that and understand that it says more about that person, specifically that man and how insecure and boring they are, um, <laughs> that, that it says more about them than it does you. Um, mm. and I think that's why it's important that you just take that moment and go, well, this is why I'm going to take up more space. This is why I'm going to be more visible. And this is why I'm going to promote other performers like me and put mm -hmm. them in the forefront and make sure that they're on stages too. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like that that's, yeah. So a lot of audience members can be super gross and say super gross things to you, but, um, and a lot of weird statements are said, but it's one of those things where I think after over a decade of doing this, I've kind of learned to deal with in different ways or I make fun of them to my therapist. That's always great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. You're so powerful. Oh, honestly, like you, you radiate power. <laughs> no, I believe it's inside. <laughs> no, it's the John Picard meme of after. <laughs> 
acting. That's all I know. Acting. I do. I do want to be a little bit senty for a second, like because you just shared something very powerful in our last episode. We actually um, kind of shared a little bit about like our like you've been doing um, your art for a while, and like when Noelle and I stepped into AX After Hours, it was kind of our first time in an environment like that in a type of show like that, like in a burlesque centric show um and we are like dancing on stage and like what we were wearing for example even though we've done other dance gigs before and I just want to um give you kudos and also commend you because um you talked about throughout the episode this episode you've kind of sprinkled around like oh my like this is my feminist rant or like this is my story but like in sharing your story not only with our listeners right now but in sharing your story with me and Noelle when we were in after hours like I felt empowered to ask for help when I needed it. And I saw you as somebody who could give me that. Like, I remember a really great conversation we had backstage and we kind of talked um, about this in our episode two. But um, when people were, because even though the the, um, show area is safe and we have security and everything like that, there are certain those like micro- interactions that you have that don't put place you in physical danger but still leave you walking away feeling some type of way and I remember going to you backstage and being like hey Lady Michaela like I encountered this um earlier with like a fan um how can I be or how would you deal with that situation or how have you dealt with those situations in the past I remember just you listening so intently to me and like um, offering different pieces of advice and also reminding me of my agency and saying mm. like, you know, just because someone paid to see you at a show doesn't mean they can touch you however you want. And that was, oh, and now I'm getting emo. Oh no. <laughs> I know I can feel it too. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, um, seriously, like not only as for something in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, is someone cutting onions downstairs? Like, but, um, <laughs> Like not even performer to performer, but queer person to queer person and femme to femme. Like that was something I needed to hear. And it's something that I still talk about today. So we literally just talked about it. Just talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, yeah. And we want to thank you for that, you know, because I mean, yeah, we we're like your babies (laughs) and we were still honestly like babies in terms of, our dance career, mm-hmm. our like booking gigs, career. Mm-hmm. It was my first instance of, you know, performing in that type of act where we're wearing scantily clad clothing in front of an audience. I, I believe I've done like music videos, etc. But like, you know, you're in a closed set and it's it's just the people that are filming. But uh, it was my first time really having to en- encounter those types of situations. And I didn't know how to deal with it because I'm baby. So it, Your baby. it was it was so nice to have like senpai madre to like <laughs> guide us through that, and um, it helped us really feel a lot a lot more safe mm-hmm. and secure in not only ourselves but in our bodies and with each other. So, but yeah. you deserve that, and I feel like that's the that's the basics. Every performer or every femme or every every person should feel safe. And I feel, thank you for, no, oh, thanks for sharing that and giving me feels. Um, I, I, there's so many bad, dangerous situations that happen, uh, that can happen, especially um, to 
uh, femme humans. And I, I, I wish there had been someone who had been there for me. So I feel like it, the fact that you trusted me and came to me was huge. Mm. So it was important that I didn't fuck that up <laughs> uh, because I ha- I didn't really have anyone to uh, go. There's a cat messing with my stuff. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but I-, I didn't really have anyone holding my hand at the beginning of my career. I didn't have, um, I had a few slight mentors. Um, I was kind of on my own for a lot. So I feel like when you get someone's brave enough to talk to you and ask you a question, then they deserve the same respect, if not more back, because that took a lot of bravery to talk to someone about. Um, it's difficult to tell people, hey, this happened to me and I wasn't like, I don't, I don't know how to handle it because you're admitting that you're vulnerable. You're admitting that you're feeling scared or feeling any emotion that's not what's expected of you by society. So I feel like that was a huge step of bravery and deserved the same amount of respect that it took for you to tie words. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to start crying. Let's stop. Uh, (laughs) 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 All right. All right. Daddy's back. Okay, I'm good. Daddy's back. <laughs> Dad, Daddy's home. Do you guys know that song? Yeah, Wait, I, I, I know that song. Hell yeah! But also, just to uh, also respond to what you were saying earlier about the naysayers and what how people were criticizing you, I feel like that also just speaks to how valuable your work is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. because there are these people that are ha- like they are not you know checking themselves and they're their internal biases, you know, and um, you're, you're literally there to perform and exist, like, to like send that message. And like, it it just shows that like your work needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's necessary and it's valuable. Thank you. That was really, that's the nicest thing I've heard in a long time. Um, no, thank you. I, I feel like too, that it's important that, you know, when you're dealing with these situations that you had value and worth before you even got up on that stage mm-hmm. and that didn't give them permission at all. You probably covered all of the consent stuff in this episode that I need to go finish listening. Um, <laughs> really, I need to go finish listening to this episode. Um, but yeah, I feel, I feel like you need to, it, it everything we do is, is everything you girls do, like everything you kids do um, with your dance crew, with your podcast, with your being visible online. It's so important. It's, and it has value and worth even before you start doing it. The fact that you're taking up space and being visible is important. And I, mm. I, I really hope that you guys go far with this because y'all, this oh. is, this is great. I'm a fan. Oh. Thank you. I shouldn't be a guest on here, but I'm a fan. <laughs> wow. wow, this is just. I'm like, okay, I bet I this we missed Lady Michaela an outline of how the episode would go. And we're totally <laughs> off schedule. It's not on the outline, but it's happening. I'm leaning in, and I love it. <laughs> we dive in. Yes, I, I nice also feel like this is a good catch up for us to so catch up oh, with yeah. each other. Yeah. So much appreciation to you, Lady Michaela, to you, Justine. I'm just 
all, all my tears aren't coming out of my eyes right now. It's coming out of my armpits because it's hot. But like, <laughs> and I was, I was so well rehearsed. I was so, I was like, I'm going to speak like this today and sound professional. I will stay on task <laughs> and not talk about random other things or get feels. And here we are. <laughs> Not being professional, <laughs> catching feels, and talking oh, about yeah. random things. When you're out here, sincere. Yes. Was it unfiltered? Yes. Period. Authentically. Women have to censor ourselves in the real world anyway. So if anything, this is our platform to just say whatever the hell we want. Because it's our We podcast. out here. Yeah. We the bitches. Yeah. We are the bitches. <laughs> cool. So... Moving forward, since we're talking about being on task. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, Lady Michaela did say that daddy's back. So that's a good segue to our next question. Daddy is back. It means so, I'm not crying. <laughs> let's dive into representation in our favorite fandoms. So, yes. So representation in either LGBTQ or even... Um, sexuality or even VIP oh hello and even VIPOC like what um I guess we can just generalize and then we can dive right in but what do you see now and what would you like to see more of I guess you I could say or um because I know that your history and fandom uh covers a lot because a, a lot of <laughs> I didn't mean it that way let me rephrase that let me rephrase that um, <laughs> you've seen it develop all the things good job you have, you have one job. I tried my and best. You took my ego and you threw it through the window and its fragility. Thanks. It's okay. I, I raised it up and then I I tried my best to keep it afloat. <laughs> but we out here, I mean, so I guess because so, so much is like developed in anime, in comics, in gaming, in terms of representation, I guess you could say like, what what have you seen? And what did you maybe not like? And then what would you like to see more of? Are we talking about just anime or all kinds of fandoms? You can take it anywhere. Like any take, take it where you with. want. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the first time I saw like strong women representation in anime was Yutena Revolutionary Girl and Sailor Moon. And it was also the first time that I saw even though it was kind of edited out for English fans, uh, it was also the first couple of times I saw queer representation. And, mm-hmm. But in Utena, it was the first time I also saw a indigenous purse persons not represented as villains. And I really liked that. And I liked that one of the main characters Ooh. is, is um, where is she from? I have to look it up now. I have to know. Hold on. I need to know. Um, but she's from an Indonesian area. Uh, but she's the first time I've seen her not see seen a woman um, of her skin tone not be villainized, not be completely hopeless. She actually has a cool sword comes out of her. Like she's a weapon herself, which says a really poetic thing about uh, femme warrior-ness and it's very poetic in the way that it is in the anime um, 
she uh, she learns uh, she's supposed to represent free will for women. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting mm-hmm. in the storytelling. Um, and Yutena is her classmate who ends up saving her as her prince. So it's really nice to see women fighting with swords, learning about free will and teaching men that you can't use women as props or as property. And then it being uh, an inclusive cast of a lot of different skin tones and not just white kids. Uh, So that was ahead of its time. It didn't, it got a lot of criticism and it didn't take off well. And I feel like that if they revamped it, like how they revamped Sailor Moon now, like how they brought it back, I feel like there would be a huge influx of people going, Oh my God, this is so progressive. Like it was just too progressive, I think for its time. Um, and it was trying to tell too many messages at once for our Mm -hmm. tiny child minds. Um, (laughs) but I loved that. I loved that. I love that nowadays there's way more inclusivity for femme characters and non-binary characters. Um, I love that there's storylines that are, um, especially in video games, I'm seeing a lot more of it. I'm seeing a lot more Mm. storylines that are not just, um, this character is for your male character to have sex with. Here, have her. I got so sick of seeing that. Or like the princess to right save princess needs saving nah son here's a shield maiden in skyrim and if you're if you're a woman you can also marry her and she's gonna go kill things with you like i love the the changes like that i love that like uh like in witcher here's here's two women that could totally hook up or hook up with you i don't know we'll figure it out yeah like i love that like there's even polyamory suggested it's great uh i love that in um Bayonetta, like Bayonetta, okay. Bayonetta <laughs> got a lot of shit because they're like, oh, this sexy librarian is doing slutty poses as she's fighting. This game was made by men. But if you listen to the script and you hear what she says, she is walking bodily agency. She is walking, oozing. No. <laughs> she does whatever she wants she poses certain ways because it's great for her um it's so that's an awesome thing that i liked seeing and i like seeing over the years as this happens like with the fable franchise teresa (gasps) is your storyteller and she's your narrator but she's not a sexualized object right she's but she's also not the mysterious hag crone she has like a whole <laughs> thing going on that fans get to enjoy later down the road. And I really liked that. Um, I, I like seeing that these phantoms are getting more inclusive. I would like to see less tokenism. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think take my opinion with a grain of salt because you're listening to a cis white girl right now, but <laughs> I feel, I feel like I'd like to see more inclusivity in that. I would like to see more um, body positivity in video games. Mm-hmm. Which would be nice, but I, I understand. Mm-hmm. I get what I, I. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I got. <laughs> I got. I got my more my ladies with swords. Um, but I and I like seeing. I like seeing a lot of different improvements to fandoms. What about you? What What are you ones that you guys like? I talk Ooh. too much. Talk to me. 
Mm. Does does any come to mind with you at the top of your head? Off the top of my head, um, video game wise, okay, so there's actually, I recently played the newest Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey. Yes. And what's crazy is you can play either as a male or a female. And regardless of that, um, I play as the female character because representing me, but you can literally, um, there's some situations, it's a type of game where like, cool, there's action adventure, but it's also like decisions. So like your decisions in the game, um, determine kind of different outcomes. And so there are also things we can flirt with people (laughs) and, and regardless of their sex you could have sex with them <laughs> yeah it's crazy okay. yeah it's it, it's so funny because it's like um yeah I can have sex with a man but then also I could flirt with this woman like <laughs> and um we'll end up shacking you know and <laughs> and it's uh I thought that was really interesting and super cool because I was like normally it's always like oh if you're playing as a female character. You can only seduce male characters. Or if you're a male character, you right. can only seduce female characters. Um, in a lot of those types of, of games. So that was refreshing. I like that. Also, there was one where they were having an orgy. And they were like, you want to join? And I was like, well, look at the era. Yeah. I mean, this is like... <laughs> oh, true, right? Okay, so, we're so, just as popular um, Spirit Halloween is in a broken down mall. Like, there's just... <laughs> Spirit Halloween's everywhere, but in Odyssey, there's orgies everywhere from the time period. It's cool. Right. It was fantastic. <laughs> but, yeah, I think anime-wise, um, what did I like? It, okay, so, hmm. I, I feel like I have not disdain. But there, off the top of my head, I can just remember more things that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, very current. I'm watching this anime called Classroom of the Elite. And uh, they're, speaking of tokenism, there's literally one of the transfer students um, is a large, their first years, so what, they're 15, is a very large black man. Uh, super muscular and he's basically just used as the muscle and he speaks like broken he speaks English but it sounds like the way it sounds he says like uh, one of the lines he just beat up a girl for like the guy that he's working for or whatever uh, for that class and all he says is like like back off and it's like Wait, why does he sound so unintelligent? And also, if you're going to get, if he's, say, a, a transfer student from America or something, and he's going to speak English, can you get someone that'll actually sound like they speak English? Like, right. <laughs> like, like, why does he sound like, it, it, it almost sounds primitive, you mm. know? And he doesn't speak much. It, it's all, he's just there for, like, like the muscle like the bodyguard mm-hmm. and i'm like and also this kid is 15 like it's hello <laughs> um it's i don't know it's just like stuff like that um that grinds my gears because i'm like better like why uh mm-hmm. how about you just <laughs> yeah thank you so much for sharing that noelle like i really resonated with that too like when i think of media i think of more things that um kind of grind my gears than um like good, then good examples, which is honestly like really telling about, you know, how scarce 
good representation is. I actually recall having a conversation. Ooh, I didn't tell you about this, Noelle, but this also guards my gears. But um, when I was unpacking, um, I was in a a space, like a nerd space with, um, that was predominantly like cis men um, because nerd spaces are dominated by cis men, period. Anyways, so I was talking about the podcast and I was talking about how we wanted to talk about Naruto and the ways and how I like I haven't seen Naruto. I just know like based on the videos I've watched, I know based on like what you and other friends have shared to me about Naruto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking about uh, Orochimaru and how as a queer character, even though or as pe- as a character that is somewhat recognized as like non-binary by like the general fandom, how in the show it's almost villainized because when Orochimaru um, takes on like a female bodied vessel or like changes uh, their outward expression, people, yes, people still recognize that, okay, but they're still Orochimaru, you know, their identity didn't change. They are still them. Like, gender expression and gender identity are two different things Mm -hmm. however it's played as very deceitful and Mm -hmm. he uses it to harm people which is a very harmful stereotype against people who are non-binary and transgender and that type of rhetoric and stereotypes that are um presented in media and kind of normalized villainizing these people can incite like violence in the real world against these communities. So, and I remember um, talking about that. And then I also talked about how like in a lot of, it's, it's, it's almost Halloween. And, you know, before um, like pre-quarantine and stuff at this, around this time, we would be going to um, Halloween Horror Nights and things like that. Why is there always a scary mental hospital in like maze that you can go through what's scary about mental health you know why are we Mm -hmm. villainizing these very real mental health conditions and the people that I was sharing with one of them was like oh well I mean people are showing like disability and horror and like mental health and horror like it's representation nonetheless it's good it's a step and I'm like is it should we really be grateful is yeah. it like, like, like you even have to then? It <laughs> it's kind of like when people say like, "Oh, good," even like bad publicity is good publicity, but like not like not in this case. Like, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. So, kind of like what I was saying earlier about how these stereotypes that are um, like presented in media can have real world repercussions for these communities and real mm-hmm. world harm for these communities. But like a good example that I've seen is like I am personally. I love graphic novels and I've seen more and more um, female authors and like um, P- like POC and like queer people put out yes. graphic novels that center queer characters and like yes. and um, female characters. And honestly, like I think there also needs to be a call for um, historically underrepresented identities to be in the writer's room and behind the directors um, behind the camera, too, because mm-hmm. nobody knows how to direct a piece about this particular community than its community members. So right. yeah, like one, like my wreck, my get wrecked for last week was a graphic novel called The Best We Could Do, which is a um, a memoir, a, a memoir graphic novel about this mother who is reflecting on how her own motherhood was uh, heavily influenced and inspired by the way that her Vietnamese refugee parents parented her and raised her. So yeah, 
super great on the stories. That sounds um, awesome. Yeah, thank you. I actually remembered a good example. Yes, go ahead, Noelle. <laughs> What's really cool too is that um, this anime, I, I took an anime course um, in college, That's which so is cool. super cool. Yeah, and it it's actually an anime that kind of in its time turn the tides in the sense it's or on high school host club yes, <laughs> and uh, what I loved about it is because I grew up a very tomboy ish girl and I was super like not girly and didn't really embrace my womanhood yet <laughs> but so h- having the protagonist be someone that didn't really rely on their femininity as their identity was very, I don't know, I felt seen (laughs) because I wasn't very like outwardly expressive with my femininity um, quite yet. And it was nice to see because um, Haruhi wasn't this super, like super long, you know, the general like girl protagonist for a, a reverse harem is like, like, generally pretty um hyper feminine hyper feminine yeah and uh that's why they're able to get the guys right but they like Haruhi because she's Haruhi (laughs) like in the boy uniform in the girl uniform like didn't really matter and also Haruhi's father spoiler alert (laughs) um was transgender as well so I feel like that was actually my first uh, experience seeing that in anime, um, seeing trans representation. And what was cool is that he was still represented as a good father. Um, right. I think if I remember how- correctly, that was like the first time I saw that happen in an anime where it, the character drive was being, was actually have a drive and be like, be a parent. Obviously, mm-hmm. and it was also the first time that I saw a, that time. And then there's like maybe three other animes that I've seen a trans character be on scene or a non-binary character be on scene and it not be, it's a trap joke, which Mm -hmm. drives me Mm -hmm. insane. That really grinds my gears. I I think that's one of the reasons why I like the character Gother in Seven Deadly Sins. Yes. Um, Very good. Yeah. yeah, Not only is is Gother non-binary and like doesn't recognize or like even like gender isn't even an option, like talking with that character, but it's also the first time I've seen it not be uh, it's a trap joke, which is terrible. And I hate that. Um, But it's also Mm -hmm. the first time I think I've seen autistic spectrum in an anime character and it not be a joke. It be a development. It be a, this is how I'm learning um, it'd be a, this is how my friends still accept me and love me, even though I'm, I'm, I'm obviously on the spectrum. It was the first right. time in an anime I had seen it not be a joke. And I think mm-hmm. that that's really important that we remember that we do representation and we enjoy seeing ourselves on screens in different ways, but it not be the butt of a joke. And it's nice too, to see mm-hmm. in, um, it's nice to see in a lot of uh, video games lately, and even in a few TV shows and other forms of media, it's nice to see uh, different body types and gender and identities and two-spirited people and trans people and everything, but not them be a joke. And I think that's important yes. that we understand that there's a difference between us being a joke and something to mock and being an actual part of the storyline. And that's what I loved about the dad in the host club show. Yes. 
yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I I loved that uh, part of it. Also, Lobelia. Lobelia. <laughs> Lobelia. I love Taylor. It's oh, it's um in Oran. It's uh it's the all girls school, and they're openly queer for. <laughs> I did not watch um, that far. What? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember okay. this. Yes. Okay. So basically, the um, I don't remember this. The, like, the like uh, the like idol of the school, like it's all female, but like the the theater program, like the theater kids are like the idols of the school, and it's like all the females in this all female all girls school, like. Like they fangirl over her the same way, like they would fangirl over like the like idol oh, guy. Oh, and they do the right? play. They do the play, right? Yeah, and they it's do like the play. A romantic yes, pageant. Play. Yes. Okay, I've seen this. Yes. yes. All right. And they try to get Haruhi to to go to Lobelia mm-hmm. instead because yeah, because they're attracted. But yeah, I I remember when I I believe I was a freshman in high school and I was not uh, aware of myself yet, but I was like. <gasps> Wow. <laughs> I was like, in this anime, like girls are liking girls, like intentionally and not as like pl- blatantly platonic. Like, wow. Is that allowed? Can I do is that? that is this, what is this feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, all clicks and makes sense. <laughs> Precisely. So, speaking of. Uh, actually, I can't even segue this. We're just gonna hop into this. <laughs> about um, agency, like in your in our yes. bodies, we talked about bodily autonomy and ways that your art kind of centers that. You know, so I guess like we wanted to talk a little bit about um, like this, like the sex work and like um, destigmatizing it as like real valid work. So yeah. Oh yeah, this okay. Okay. Wanted to set you up with a question, Noelle. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, um, so do you have any advice or things you'd like to share with folks who might be interested in pursuing sex work? Um, I think that uh, first off, I, I think that people there, there's a huge stigma around the words sex work in general, so much so that uh, it gets flagged by auto algorithms on the internet for many platforms. Oh. Oh uh, but when it comes to sex work, oh yeah, FOSTA, SESTA, you can get me to rant on that another day. Uh, <laughs> um, but I feel like that there's a lot of cosplayers, burlesque dancers even, that will try to distance themselves from sex work. Like there's a phrase that happens in burlesque and nerdlesque a lot where they're like, oh no, but I'm like a classy version of a stripper. And I have to go, no, 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 no. Uh, so sex work and burlesque and cosplay where you're selling content of yourself, all of that ties into a lot of history where they're all intertwined and share the same roots. And it's important that we remember when it comes to sex work, whether it's working in a strip club, selling digital content of yourself, whether it's selling services or doing being a dominatrix or, um, or performing in, fe- in the fetish industry, like all of these things share the same history and share the same roots and that there have been people who have sat in jails for this, for you to be able to do it and profit off of it now. Um, and I feel like that it's important that people don't distance themselves from it. Um, and uh, so I feel like the, when you go into sex work, you understand that you're taking on that stigma. You're taking on the dangers. You're taking on 
the risk. Um, with the pandemic, I watched an influx of uh, people who used to slut shame sex workers all the time suddenly start showing up in inboxes going, how do I make an OnlyFans? How do, how do I, how do I do this or that? Um, you want to vacation in sex work for a little bit or like Bella Thorne who tried to gentrify Ugh. sex work for a weekend. And then, Oh my God, you, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I was Ooh. literally so livid when I, when I found out about that, like, Oh my God, absolutely. Like you literally hop in, ruin it for everyone. And then you're like, peace. I was doing it for the, for not even for like, I mean, yeah, for the clout, but she was, I hated that she was like, oh, I'm doing it for visibility for, and like for sex work. And that stuff. was a gentrification and, like, vacation. Um, yeah. But I feel like that people need to understand that sex work, even if it's, I mean, technically burlesque, like be, you being stage kittens in a burlesque show, you technically are sex workers. Like if any cosplayers that sell prints of themselves in swimsuits from Dragon Con at the pool party, you are technically a sex worker. So I feel like that when people start doing these things, you have to understand that there has been a multi-decade, multi-generational stigma that's been attached to that. Uh, there's also so much acceptance of the dangers that are put upon us for it. Um, I learned that firsthand when I started working in strip clubs um, uh, a lot, a lot of people like only recently have I actually been talking about that on my brand where like, yes, I've worked in a strip club, whereas before it would make me lose bookings. Now I feel like it's more important that we talk about that just this past weekend outside of gold diggers in an, um, in a, at another club in another state, um, a content warning, uh, talk of death and assault. Mm-hmm. Um, so just last weekend, outside of Gold Diggers, a security guard did not feel like walking a stripper to the car, and she was forced into a car and killed by customers that had been rejected by her earlier that night. This happens Ugh. on the regular with us. There's been nights where I have uh, had to pay extra money to tip out a security guard to make sure I get to my car okay. There's been nights where I've had to walk other girls to their cars working in a strip club. Some of the scariest, most violent things happen to sex workers and no one blinks an eye. It's never in the press. And if it is, we are villainized. If it is, it was, well, she shouldn't have been working such a dangerous job. The problem is it's not the job that's dangerous. It's the male cis clients that are. Mm -hmm. And the majority Mm -hmm. of them are male cis clients. Um, or non-clients, because most of the time it's dealing with the power issue of uh, rejection. Um, mm. So there's a lot of terrible things. Um, there's also the social stigma issue, not just the dangers mm. of everyday life of it, of selling your content on OnlyFans and finding out that through your Amazon wish list, a fan can find out where you live if you don't use a PO box. These things, yeah, your eyes got really big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not just thinking about these everyday things, but it's also the social stigma as well. Um, about 70%, I believe, on a survey I saw, about 70% of sex workers, whether it's content sellers or physical sex workers who work in strip club dominatrix work or services, um, 
do not have uh, families for them to fall back on, do not have support systems outside of the sex work industry to fall back on, um, mm. to seek help from, um, whether mm. financially or personally, because most of the time you get disowned. Mm. Um, I was two okay. years into my burlesque career um, and I had done a really good job of keeping it hidden. My family thought, oh, she did theater. We can overlook that. But when my family found out that I was a queer stripper, I was disowned. So it happens. You find your own support system. You find your own. Thankfully, I have an amazing support system that was there for me from the get-go. Um, I have an amazing mm -hmm. partner, primary partner right now. Um, but you learn that there is a huge sacrifice that you pay that follows you for years to come. I've lost friendships over being sex workers, sex worker positive. I've lost jobs. I've lost opportunities. I've lost gigs. Um, I've lost relationship options. Like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's a mm -hmm. lot of stigma that goes into it. And I think that if you're not willing to take that on and not willing to take on the dangers, then you're just looking for a quick vacation. And I feel like, that's not okay. Um, but yeah. if you want to uh, be supportive of sex workers or be supportive or involved with sex work somehow, a great way to go about it is to go through by sex worker for sex worker uh, organizations like Red Umbrella. I love Red Umbrella. It's by sex workers for sex workers. Not only do they fight for um, legislation issues, but they also provide educational services, financial services, safe houses and support, which oh. is really great. Um, every year I try to find a way to fund fundraise for, um, for Red Umbrella because I just love the work that they do. Um, they mm -hmm. also are great for safe resources for if you do want to start working in sex work. Um, mm -hmm. They're also great about um, making sure to provide safe networks. Yeah. Um because of FOSTA and SESTA laws taking down websites like Backpage and everything else and other forms of communication and different apps and stuff, um, the simplest thing like two dominatrixes checking in with each other to make sure a client is safe isn't an option anymore. So there's other networks, there's other ways to talk to each other now thanks to organizations like Red Umbrella, um, thanks to like just women talking to each other about safety um, and sex mm -hmm. educators connecting people to other people. So, um, but Faustin says is a whole other day rant. <laughs> um, laws written by men in suits. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, so I think that if you want to support sex workers, obviously just put money in our hands. That's the best way to go about it. <laughs> True. buy content, True. buy services, do what you need to do, but also learn how to change stigma in conversation, whether it's just changing your slut shaming language, being more mm. inclusive in your language or shutting down victim blaming and things like that, or finding mm. ways to get involved with your local community, whether it's through mama cash or red umbrella organization or your local slut walk. Um, Slut Walk is a great parade. If you don't know what it is, it's, uh, it's, well, now it's a parade. It's, uh, it's a annual protest, uh, that's for sex workers and sex entertainers to be visible in a street to raise awareness and funds for the struggles of sex workers. Um, and it's really fun. It started in the UK, I believe. Um, 
So if you have a local one of those, you can get involved. Uh, But yeah, there's lots of different ways for you to do that. But if you're going to start getting into sex work yourself, you need to make the decision whether it's, you can do it safely. Can you do it with the risk? And if you can't do it with the risk, then evaluate why you wanted to go in it in the first place. Um, I would not suggest doing it out of desperation because then you put yourself at risk and in danger. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you Sorry, so that much. got real dark. <laughs> wow. No, no, it's super informative and genuine. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I think what I really liked about what you said is that when you were very real about the um, risk and the dangers that come with doing that, um, and also saying that those risks are real because of a larger cultural shift that is necessary that has not happened yet. Um, mm. So, and what I took away from what you said is that like for sex work to be, because I've seen, especially like in the pandemic, like what you said is like, everyone wants to, it seems like everybody is trying to hop on OnlyFans and like do sex work and everything like that. However, for sex work to truly be that accessible uh, landscape that more people can safely hop on and join and do, there needs to be a larger cultural shift that needs to happen that could take that will take a very long time to happen you know but the the call so and also destigmatizing sex work that labor is not entirely on the sex workers themselves it's also yeah. in the allies and the non-sex workers and the people who consume sex work to continue mm-hmm. to break that stigma like you said in those conversations in paying sex workers for their labor like honestly what i was thinking too i'm just like people are literally sliding into dms to get only fans advice like honestly just like if it's in your capacity and emotional like bandwidth do a seminar and like make people pay because that's your emotional labor too emotional labor <gasps> is labor so get paid yeah yep. oh my gosh yeah so we're so grateful for um for your time today, uh, we kind of w- are going to be wrapping up a little bit. So we want to ask, like, what's on the horizon for you? What can we expect next from Lady Michaela? I know you have a book coming out. Uh, so like to talk about that. <laughs> I call it. I call it my. Um like to quote Hamilton, a series of essays. That's a feminist rant. Um, (laughs) uh, So I do have a book coming out in Barnes and Noble this fall, actually believe it's middle or end of October. Um, You can do pre-order. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, So it's called policing muses, a history of pasty and Merkins. Um, It covers a lot. It really is just a series of my Facebook rants made into a book. Um, (laughs) It covers the history of women's or femme bodies being uh, policed through the arts throughout eras, starting with uh, whether it's physical paintings and photography to uh, swimmers getting arrested for their swimsuits being too high Mm -hmm. um, to uh, the women that came before me in burlesque that trailblazed. I interviewed some living legends um, I tried to interview many more, but unfortunately we've had a heavy year of them passing away. Uh, mm-hmm. but these are women's voices who are getting forgotten while everyone knows Dita Von Teese is a household name. While I'm sure she's a great performer, there are women who came before her that spent nights in jail so that we could have what we have as an industry today. And so I mm-hmm. sat down with some of them and interviewed them and, uh, for cause I know I wanted to donate the transcripts and audio to museums. Um, but in order to do that, you need to be somehow academically uh, 
inclined and I'm a stripper who took free Harvard classes online. So instead, <laughs> I wrote a book so that that way, uh, that's my little step into the museums for them to take my research seriously. Uh, but yeah, it includes sex worker voices. It goes from the Minsky brother raids that you saw in like old black and white films and what they really were to the modern day FOSTA situation of, um, what internet laws can get people taken down off platforms and how it targets specifically femme bodies and not masculine bodies. Um, so yeah, if you ever noticed that your Patreon got taken down because you posted a swimsuit video of uh, swimsuit picture and an auto algorithm tagged you and flagged you and shut your account down, this will explain why and how it started even before the 1800s. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's uh, a lot of hard work, but also could help you hear voices of the women who came before us in the burlesque industry and what they went through uh, in order for us to have what we have now at your everyday con or burlesque show. That's so amazing. <laughs> it won't be expensive either. I, I wanted to make sure that it was accessible knowledge for everyone. So it's going to be uh, less than $20 through Barnes and Noble. But if you are, uh, if you are somehow like many of us uh, affected by the pandemic, come talk to me and I will find a way to make it happen so that this knowledge is in your hands. There is also a bunch of the excerpts of the book is available at policingmuses.com. And there will be more archived things that are not in the book put up on there there, um, including interviews from people who are not featured in the book and what museums you can go to that this information will be available for so that that knowledge is accessible for you because I don't feel like class should keep you from your history. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that was an amazing. Oh, my gosh. I I want one. Yes. <laughs> I want you, to read that one. You're getting one. <laughs> You're getting one. I'm giving you guys one. Um, but yeah, so um, thank you. It's like Oprah. You get it. You get one. No, you'll get one. Uh, I'll make sure of it. But yeah, so like I've got so much. There is just uh, it's it's a rant. It's a series of essays, and Alexander Hamilton went on a bunch of feminist rants. Is what this is. Uh, <laughs> So, but yeah, um, and then hopefully when the pandemic is over, I'll be performing again. Hooray. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and we will definitely include some some links on how people can get in contact with you in our description, yes. uh, how, where yeah. they can get policing muses, and um, follow Fandom Femmes on Instagram for, you know... Oh yeah, for a potential <laughs> way that you can get a copy of Police Muses for free. <clears throat> oh, and speaking of um, free things, I am doing my Abolish Ice special again, where if you send me a screenshot of donating uh, $15 or... No, it's $10. I lied. Sorry. If you send me a screenshot of donating $10 or more to any organizations that help fight ICE or reunite families, like Families Belong Together or Races, Races All in Caps is one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, if you donate to any of those organizations that help uh, fight ICE and put families back together and help really save the children, not that QAnon shit. Uh, <laughs> if you donate to any of those and you send me a screenshot via Instagram or email or uh, any way that you can contact me on any social media, send me a screenshot of your donation that you made that day to an organization. 
that helps fight ice, I will send you one of my abolish ice ludes just for you. So you can <gasps> get that for free. Oh my wow. gosh, doing the good work. Let's go, Lady. Oh my god, it's so oh. integrated. I love it. Yes, seriously. Our liberations are connected. Hell yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yes, thank you so much. So, like, as we're kind of, like, wrapping up this episode, uh, well, we want to close with our segment called Get Wrecked. So, <laughs> get Wrecked. Precisely. Sorry. Where we recommend some media that we've been consuming lately, old and new, visual, um, literature, anything across the spectrum. Um, so, yeah, Noelle, do you want to go first with your Wreck of the Week? No, I want you to go first. Okay, that's totally fine. <laughs> so my wreck of the week is um so recently um I have been turned on to Goosebumps the TV show. It, <laughs> it was it was originally airing in the nineties and um it's a great Before like, your sketch. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's on Netflix now, it's accessible. I love it. It has some of the cheesiest um prosthetic like makeup it has some of the cheesiest monsters and storylines but it's been really great for me to kind of like escape and kind of indulge in some fantasy and some silliness too so if you haven't watched it on netflix it's on there and that stuff is just oh gosh it just gives me love and the theme song like loki goes off like <laughs> i don't skip it i'm just like dun, 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 dun. hey hey hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Dude, have you seen someone did like um they, I'm pretty sure it went viral. There's like a viral video of someone like twerking to the Goosebumps song. Are you serious? Okay, I need that now because that's going to yeah. be me. <laughs> basically, yeah. I, I think someone also like made a remix of the song and made it like a, a booty papa song. Yeah, yeah. you need to do it I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm speaking it into existence. We're going to do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm ready now. Okay, go ahead, Noelle. Um, So I actually just finished the second season of the Fruits Basket reboot. And um, wait, that's back. Hold up. What? Yes, hunty. Yes, hunty. It's, it's back. It's rebooted. It's beautiful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if, if you don't know, Fruits Basket, I actually don't. I, I believe it was in the 90s. It came out manga wise and then anime wise. I think the thousands. <laughs> I'd say the thousands. But uh, I watched it back then. When it was that art style that people cringe at. Um, but I don't know why people do. It's You're just allowed like to like things like, even if they're cringy. You're allowed to like yeah. things even right. if they're cringy. You listen to me right. talk that you sent a revolutionary girl this whole entire show, and that's cringy <laughs> as fuck. So you're allowed to like things if they're cringy. Right. And so they did a reboot, and basically uh, the, the last one, Fritz Basket, the, before the reboot, only went into one season, which forced me to watch, read the entire manga on the floor of a Barnes and Noble um, <laughs> as a child. I think I was, yeah, freshman year in, in high school, I literally, my dad, was, I was like, dad, can you take me to Barnes and Noble? And he was like, sure. And I was like, look, it's Fruits Basket. And I found out, found where I left off and I finished the entire thing. <laughs> On the floor in the manga section, <laughs> I was like, I guess so. So being able to see uh, Fruits Basket, it's rebooted, and they're actually, I think they're going to finish the manga. Um, so they they went, they just finished the second season. But what's really great about it is it's a lot of it, it's not shallow at all. Uh, content warning: there's childhood trauma, uh, 
signs of abuse, actually abuse, uh, child abuse. And, and these, these, basically these, uh, this family, there's a generational curse or like kind of like a supernatural curse, uh, Anyone within that bloodline may be possessed by one of the zodiac spirits, as in like uh, zodiac animals. So the rat, the rooster, etc. And if they're touched by the opposite sex, they turn into that animal for a short period of time, or if they're triggered emotionally. And so uh, the whole thing revolves around like the protagonist is Toru, and she is just this extremely pure ray of sunshine where it's just so much uh this is so wholesome <laughs> and she genuinely just cares about the well-being of everybody that it it ultimately influences the people around her which she ends up in a soma household which is the the name of the family with the curse and um so basically uh it it's Original, it's a shoujo, but what's really cool about it is that it really world builds and it goes into depth of each of these kids or now maybe adults of like the zodiac spirits. Uh, that they like how they've come into who they are and how they are still going coming into who they are and accepting different parts of their trauma and <laughs> understanding how to treat themselves better and treat others better and it it's just so and i cry every time <laughs> every episode at the end i'm like <laughs> i want like I, i'm normally watching it um on my phone while i'm eating and i'm like <gasps> kind of chokes on rice and then you know it's a great time but if you want something super wholesome super hey like it's very genuine about I don't know I feel like it's it's pretty real about like how um people deal with trauma and and how all of that mess um unfolds so yeah fruits Aww. basket to <laughs> and how about you, Lady Michaela? Okay. <laughs> Do you so have a wreck? I'm glad that yours was wholesome because I'm about to, like, I love that we talked about all these super adult topics and super mature content things, and I'm about to suggest a children's show. Uh, so so this this show I've been watching while, like, rhinestoning and, like, sewing and everything like that. So I've been watching The Owl House. Ooh. Okay. Oh, isn't that on so, the channel? I don't even know. It's just it's something okay. something that was on suggested to me on on the TV, and I don't even know what app we were watching it on. But it has Wendy Malick in it as this uh, sorceress that pretty much didn't choose a house in Hogwarts and ran off. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's and it's really cool. So it's really wholesome. It has the lead is uh, Latina, uh, and I believe both them and their love interest are are by i believe unconfirmed uh but it's also got a huge inclusive cast of a lot of cool voices including tati gabrielle from sabrina um Ooh. yeah and then it's got uh what really caught my ear though when i was like listening it because i'll not i'll not really look up but i'll be working on something um was uh isabella rosalini is a voice in it and she 
Isabella Rossellini, uh, for anyone who might remember, there is a show called De- or a movie that called Death Becomes Her. She mm. is the mysterious sorceress with the really cool accent. Uh, she's also, she is a re- reoccurring character, like guest voice on it. Um, but what she's really known for is that she is, I believe, the daughter of a famous actress. I'm trying to remember. She was born in Rome. I'm trying to remember who she's. She's a famous vintage silver screen starlet's daughter. And she's holding up her own and she's actually doing like video game voices and stuff now, which I think is really cool. Um, <laughs> cool. But yeah, this show is really cute. It's a coming of age story of like trying to figure out where you belong. It's got magic and nonsense and uh, like random ridiculous characters in it, which is very cute. Um, and it has the same flow of the nonsensical script of freaking Morty, but for kids, mm-hmm. which I really liked. Um, but I like that it's really inclusive. I like that they're suggested that one of the characters is Ace, which I love. Ooh, okay. uh, yeah, like this is a kids show, and I'm sitting here going, "Yes, yes!" as I drink my Moscato. <laughs> like classical actresses in this. This is amazing. Like, but yeah, so Isabella Rossellini from uh, Death Becomes Her is in it. Wendy Malick is in it, um, and it's uh, got a lot of different body types in it, which is really nice to see. And it's kind of like, if you're sick of Rowling being really turfy, Owl House might be for you. Because it's got the same elements. Uh, There's a magic school. You get sorted into different skill sets at the magic school. Uh, There's rules meant to be broken to save the day at this magic school. Uh, But there's also like this elderly, snarky, law-breaking teacher that you live with <laughs> that takes care of you in a very like femme haggard way. Uh, so if you're sick of the turfiness of Rowling, um, then I, I definitely think Owl House might be the wholesome alternative for you to help get over your need to give Hogwarts money money. <laughs> True. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that oh, with thank us. You. Oh my God. Thank you so much for your time. I, my soul is fed. How are you feeling? Noelle? I feel my soul belly is huge, just full. <laughs> I feel so satisfied. Yes. Yes. Like with your Hamilton theme, like you wrote, like you were running out of time and we're feeling satisfied. So. Justine oh! oh! does it again. She strikes to get. Wow. Oh, awesome. Wow. Great. Okay. George and so, me loves that. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is you so found weird. a way to flip that act into the show. Thank you. <laughs> I love my George act. Thank you. Yes, I love that. And like also it's selling like telling folks who decide to contact you, your King George is in your email signature. So look forward to oh, that yeah. if you ever contact me Michaela. It's very cool. Yeah, so we are so grateful that we had you on Fandom Femmes today. Um, the links to where you can contact Lady Michaela will be in our podcast description. And uh, Noelle, do you kind of want to explain how we close things out here at Fandom Femmes? I shall. So normally we have this cute little tagline. Um, it's be you, be free. And we normally like to have a little fun quip at the end that rhymes with e at the end of whatever you say <laughs> um a little oh, little it has to rhyme? oh 
Or I mean, we know how to do, but it, here, so. it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to rhyme. We we like to rhyme because we're rappers. No, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, no, I'm not. Okay, <laughs> and so yeah, so this time around, since there's three of us, uh, do you want to start, Justine? Yeah. So, so Justine will say "be you," and I'll say "be free," and then you can say whatever you want. Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you. Thank you for taking this quality time with all three of us. We really love that we have you here, Lena Michaela, and we're so thankful that you shared so much of what you do and what you love and what you want and how you want to make the world a better place in the ways that you can, which is so awesome. I honestly am so inspired always by you. And I hope that you were able to also inspire our listeners with what you were able to share. And yeah, so we're going to round it off. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be you. Be free. Be genuinely. (laughs) I like that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was such an honor, and I'm so proud of the work that you are doing and all the progress you all are making. This is amazing, and I'm so proud, and thank you so much for having me. We love you so much, Lady Michaela. Thank you for listening, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.